0: We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Fa, da, Boomerang.
1: Boom. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Uh, one of the teams that got extremely close and the team that the Cardinals are obviously looking very closely at right now with uh, with Aaron Glenn's name being brought up and, and coaching the searches. And now Dave Sears joining the Arizona Cardinals as an assistant GM is, uh, is the Detroit Lions. And we have their special assistant to the president and CEO, Chris Spielman, on the uh, on the Arizona yeah. Sportsline right now. Chris, thank you for the time.
0: Uh, how's it going? It's going well. How are you guys? Doing great, Chris. Thank you so much, buddy, for joining us. I really do appreciate it. I know how busy you are right now. How you doing, bro? Uh,
2: Doing well, and uh, you know, just uh, looking for an opportunity to to help and be around people that are committed to the same thing, which is, I think, one of the things that Brad Holmes and Sheila and, and Dan have brought to the table is that everybody shares a vision, and it's an unselfish vision, and so I think that's been one of the reasons why when you're able to start one and six and kind of go on a run, nobody wavered from what the mission was. And, uh, very proud of our guys. Really cool to
0: watch. Yeah. There's no doubt about it, Spiels. Oh my goodness, man. Watching you guys play, it was very, very cool. Having said that, for anyone who's listening right now, can you tell the audience what it is that you do, Chris, for the Lions? Just so they know.
2: Sure. Uh, I was an integral part of hiring uh, Dan Campbell in, in Brad Holmes. Um, I work, uh, say, during the season. I work with. Uh, I sit in offensive meetings and make notes or things that I think would be helpful to any of our coaches. I've, I've done that. I've done that with the defensive staff. I work with Brad Holmes uh, closely, and all our scouts and. GMs and part of the evaluation process, and I offer opinions, and opinions based on my so-called knowledge, I guess, uh, experience, and uh, let them make the decisions, but I'm certainly, my whole goal in this whole process was to help people climb their mountains, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I climbed my mountain as a player. I accomplished all I could accomplish, which wasn't enough, but it it was I gave it a good run, Now it's my turn where I can use whatever skill I have regarding football and leadership and team and all that stuff. I can help others uh, acquire their goals, and that's uh, my purpose here.
1: We're talking to Chris Spielman, special assistant, the president and CEO uh, of the Detroit Lions. Chris, you know, one of the things that really stands out about your team is there has been a culture shift. And I don't know exactly when it happened. I'm sure it happened before the winning streak. But that appeals a lot to uh, to, to Arizona Cardinals fans right now after the season that they just went through. How How difficult was that to sort of invoke that change? And how long do you think it took?
2: Well... I mean, I think what you have to do is that there's always got to be a clear line of communication. You know, one of the, Wolf mentioned, what are some of the things you do? Uh, One of the the cool things I do is that we have our our businesses in two different buildings, one at Allen Park, which is the practice field, and a lot of business folks are down at Ford Field, which is our home field, Uh, every Tuesday One of the things that I did was I would go down and do a recap of our Sunday game and give a little uh, scouting report of the upcoming opponent. Mm. And when you take the time to do that, you're telling everybody involved with the organizations that you don't work for the Detroit Lions. You are a Detroit Lion. Mm. You're so much of a Detroit Lion. We're going to give you uh, a a breakdown of our game. Uh, We're going to give you a scouting report. And we're going to invest. Uh, you know, the other thing we would do is I would go down there and, and we do like this uh, uh, role playing, right? So I pretended I was in the season ticket office or so ticket seller office and I was a ticket salesperson for, for the Lions. And I would have the real ticket salesperson be a fan. And I'd have to try to sell them a ticket when you're one in six (laughs) just just to engage with people and to give people your time and let them know that the ultimate success of this team or this organization depends on them. And if you're going to wear a a T-shirt or a, a sweatshirt or a jacket that has a Detroit Lion on it, it has to mean something to you. It just can't be uh, something you grab in the morning. It has to mean something. And and a credit to Sheila and and everybody involved because everybody has bought in. And the cool thing is because of strong leadership from uh, uh, our executive team and Coach Campbell and Brad, um, nobody wavered when we were 1-6. and Nobody wavered when we were 3-13-1 because, to my eye, I kept seeing us getting better and closer and closer.
1: Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, we're going to talk to Cam Johnson here in a second. Did you see this uh, clip? This is unrelated to basketball. Will Levis is going to be a pretty high, highly drafted quarterback. Yeah. You see what he puts in his coffee? No. The mayonnaise. Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, man, that's... That's got to drop you down draft boards a little bit, right?
0: Come you, on. you put mayonnaise in your coffee? Who does that? Will Levis. That's awful. mayonnaise in his coffee. I, I don't... I don't know... If there's anything you could, well, yeah, there is something you could put in there that would be worse. Yeah, but I don't know that. that there's much. And, and I don't know That's that. That's like, nasty. If, if
1: I needed a quarterback, and I was like, eh, I want that. <laughs> this guy looks really good, but he does put mayonnaise in his coffee. That'd be tough.
0: That makes me want to hurl, well, just thinking of that. You, you, don't, you don't need to hurl. I just wanted to pass that Especially along. Especially with coffee, too. Why would you do that to coffee? Black coffee. I'd watch the best thing. That's how you drink your coffee. Yeah, just totally. Just straight black just coffee. Straight black that coffee. Shock me Son me. of a truck driver, of course. Well, I I had to watch the video a couple times to make sure
1: that that was actually the case, and that was actually the case. And, and now I'm thoroughly disgusted. Um, at Footprint Center last night, not thoroughly disgusted by what happened there. Cam Johnson comes back. Suns get the win, and everything just kind of felt different. In fact, Cam Johnson joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Cam, thanks for the time, man. Uh, let's just start with with how good it must have felt to get back out there and be able to help this team win a game
3: yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, just you know you you start to miss it a lot when you're out for a while So just being able to get back out there and, and contribute to a win. Uh, like you said before, the energy in the arena was was high, and just out there having fun.
0: So, Cam, were you telling yourself anything going into the game? You know, after you've missed as many games as you have, and this being your first game back, and were you, were you talking yourself into anything like, you know, hey, listen, don't feel like you got to go out and score 35. <laughs> you know what I mean? What were, um, you, what were you telling yourself?
3: It was the first couple possessions. Uh, first couple possessions was really just like, all right, feel the game. Just get in the rhythm of simply running up and down the court. And, uh, you know, find your place from there. So when I got in the game, if you, if you were watching, I was kind of just in the corner watching. I had a couple uh, hooks, easy buckets, and, yep. you know, some easier defensive possessions where I was able to just kind of settle in. And, and from then on out, it kind of felt like a normal game, like I hadn't missed too much time
1: talking to cam Johnson uh cam your teammates definitely got a boost from you being back it's specifically Mikel bridges though I mean did you expect that sort of performance from him what, what is it why, why did you coming back all of a sudden reinvigorate Mikel
3: yeah that's my twin I, I'm not sure it had too much to do with me um, I just he has such a high level of preparation you know and he's been building that consistently through his habits over the past couple of years and He's just been locked in road trips, home games. He's been locked into his routine, and it, it shows. You know, he's playing a lot more on the ball. He's creating for others and scoring the ball, too. And he's scoring in a lot of different ways, um, a lot of different ways than he had in previous years. So, I mean, that's just all him, just putting in that work. And, and you know, you guys know when you put in the work, the results come.
0: So, Cam, did you have any expectation of your performance going into the game? Did you have any built-up expectation?
3: No, I wouldn't say I had any expectation. Um, I was able to watch a lot over the past, you know, 37 games and, and just watching, seeing how games are flowing and then seeing what I had done, you know, the previous eight games uh, before I got injured and even games of the previous seasons and just seeing areas where I, I know I can improve, I know I can be better, I know I can find shots, I know I can attack defenses, and I know I can make plays defensively from. Um, and just trying to execute those things and drip feed those things into yesterday's game was my main focus, but outside of that, no expectations of, of anything else.
1: Talking to Cam Johnson, Cam, so this team's played for a while now without you, without Devin Booker, Chris Paul, I mean, you guys have obviously been hit hard by injuries. I, I can't imagine it's easy to watch. What are you guys talking about when you're sitting there on the bench? It's like an all-star team watching the Suns play.
3: Um, we're really locked in to what's going on, you know, just, not necessarily talking about what the future holds or what the past was, but talking about what the guys are doing on the court, what's working for us, what's not working, um, pace of play, defense, and and just seeing how guys are integrating themselves into the system and taking on new roles. And and the flight of the team has been really high, you know, all season. And it's a credit to the guys who who have been playing night in and night out that have just been put you know, putting it all out there. The results haven't always been what we wanted them to, but I think that will turn around, and, and I think everybody has kind of um, increased their capacity over that time.
0: Hey, brother, what did you miss the most?
3: That feeling, stepping on the court. That, that rush, just being out there with, with the guys that we work so hard with, you know? Yeah. DA, Mikhail, uh those are the guys that I'm, I'm coming up on year four with, and, and that's not something I take for granted. Um, so just being able to step back out there with them, compete and come away with a win, uh, feel the energy of the crowd, um, it was
1: a lot of fun. Uh, talking to Cam Johnson, Cam, some of these new guys that you were talking about that have stepped up, who who has stood out to you that maybe we didn't know about at the start of the season?
2: Um, I
3: think Damian Lee has done a fantastic job, guys.
1: Like,
3: <sighs> and he's shooting the ball at maybe 50% from three. 95 from the line, um, and, and he's making plays offensively and defensively and taking on a bunch of roles, whether it's an off-ball shooter. He's been playing on the ball a lot. Um, so he's one guy in particular that I've just been really impressed with. And I think, again, also from his work ethic, he's one of those you know really regimented guys where he has his body routine, he has his shot routine, and, and he really sticks to it. And uh, he's been playing at a really high level.
0: Kim, are you concerned with where you guys are in the standings right now? How much talk of that goes on in the locker room?
3: Um, no, I think we're just in a position where, I mean, you look at the standings, we're probably like five games out of, of fifth place, you know, and with 30-some games left in the season, um, a lot of different things can happen. And and we've been on the, you know, the rough side of a couple
1: games as you can tell, some technical difficulties. I don't know what you're talking about. We did a, a fantastic sun segment in there, and uh, nobody could hear a second of it. And Wolf and I, for the record, just stuck with it, and we just took our headphones off and did the whole segment. And, of course, during those technical difficulties, which they are still working on, but I believe you can hear us now, of course, Wolf, there would be breaking news. And here it is. According to Howard Balzer, the uh, the Sean Payton meeting with the Cardinals is on for
0: Thursday. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. We can actually hear you guys in there, just so you know. We can actually hear you guys on the air right now, at least in my own headset. Uh, look, I'd rather be able to hear everybody
1: than not hear anybody. So we've tried it both okay, ways. As, as long as they're
0: not going out over the air, yeah, <laughs> that's the important thing right now.
1: Look, the important thing is that the Cardinals are meeting with uh, Sean Payton on Thursday. I'm assuming that's real, right? <laughs> that seems like it's a real story from Howard Balzer. So...
0: Um, that changes things considerably. Oh, man, so Sean Payton, they are going to meet with Sean Payton on Thursday by the pricking of my thumb. It's
1: just happened in like the last 10 minutes, of course, when, it, when we were going haywire over okay, here. Okay,
0: does, does Howard Balzer, Howard, how you doing, big guy? Um, does he actually report in regard to if it's going to be a face-to-face meeting with Sean Payton?
1: I don't see anything else. I just see, like, I'm looking at the comments back, and they are a bunch of Photoshop pictures of Sean Payton looking at Kyler Murray. But I do not, uh, <laughs> I don't see any update other than, than that one. Um, but look, we were talking about this earlier in the show today, and we talked about this on Friday. Yeah. Even if you don't, I mean, word for word, an hour ago, I said this, even if you don't hire Sean Payton, at least sit down with him. Of all the people that I would like to hear, hey, okay, this is uh, this this guy's thoughts on Kyler Murray. What what would you do if you were our coach, Sean? What, that stuff is valuable, even if you hire somebody else.
0: Yeah, but you know, I I wonder if Sean Payton. Why why would Sean Payton go ahead and agree to actually meet to in an interview that he knows he's not going to get hired? I don't think he would. Just because you want me to tell you my opinion of Kyler Murray? Yeah, I don't. I just don't see him doing that.
1: I, I don't. He see wouldn't. Him doing. That, I don't right? think he would. Yeah. No. I, I don't. Th- that's the thing. It's a fine line. You can't. You can't sit there and be like, Sean, we're not going to hire you. But can you just come in and tell us all your secrets? But I think if you have a legitimate interview with him, then you have a chance to sit down. But what you know what these interviews consist of? You're going to sit down and talk for an hour or two hours or five hours or whatever. Like you said last week, you're you're going to take a break, right? You might take a break, get up and walk away from the interview, come back. Even if you don't hire Sean Payton, those hours of his insight, Sean, what would you do if you were the coach of this team? What is yeah. your number one priority? Let's say, Sean, we're going to hire you because they are also interviewing Sean Payton. It's not just him interviewing them. Yeah, he's going to he's not going to lie. He's going to be like, OK, this is what Kyler needs. This is what I would try with Kyler. Maybe the next coach that you hire isn't able to implement those things the way Sean Payton would. But at least you're getting that perspective. And
0: maybe you hire him. So here's the great thing about this base in our needs. Um. Sean Payton has agreed. Interesting. He has agreed. Well, how could you do that, Sean? We all thought you wanted to be the general manager. And, of course, well, I, I realize that these other teams that he's interviewing with, they also have general managers, general managers that aren't going anywhere. So now this is, this is a good sign based on our needs because at least Sean Payton has something that he wants to say to the Arizona Cardinals as well. And get their perspective on, hey, you know what? How do you feel about me coming in here and being your next head coach? Very interesting to me that he accepted this and said, yeah, we're going to do this. I'm going to interview. Apparently, maybe Sean Payton, there's a couple of things going on. Maybe he doesn't like some of the things he's heard thus far in some of the other interviews. Maybe it's just a situation as well where... These teams maybe don't like what they're hearing from Sean Payton. Is Is that a possibility?
1: Maybe. Maybe it is. I mean, this is is almost comical because we're never off the air, right? But we go off the air for, I don't know what that was, about 10 minutes. It felt like six years. Yes. In that time, Sean Payton agrees to an interview with the Cardinals. Yes. And Jay Crowder tweets out, let's see, an hourglass emoji, a clock, and another hourglass emoji. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: got to be kidding me. I
1: don't know what that means. I, don't I, would, do this I, right I now. would assume. Okay, it's the trade deadline is in two and a half weeks. Time's ticking. I would assume. Jay, is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Um. I don't know what's going on here, base earnings. I can tell you that. I certainly don't know what's going on with Jay Crowder. I, I don't know what else is going on with Sean Payton. All I know is every mic in this building seems to be hot at the moment. <laughs> That's what I do know.
1: Every you are listening live to everybody in this building. So
0: here's what I was going to say,
1: Wolf. Yeah. Um,
0: and this, hopefully I am going out over the air because I'm not talking in your ear.
1: You got but, a little reverb. Yeah, we can right hear two of you. It's good. Oh,
0: all right. Well, I was going to say there's only one way to confirm this Sean Payton stuff. Why don't you go do your work, Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you use that little well, cell you know, phone? Stop it right now. You know I don't break stories. I, you do not want me breaking stories, Basin Ornans. Well. You do not. Logistics give me nightmares for the most part. The nightmares, I seem to be okay with that. That I do well with. The logistics of it, I struggle mightily. This is also put
1: out there. uh, Darren Urban just retweeted it too as far as the coaching search. Now, per NFL rules, if you wanted to interview D'Amico Ryans, you can't do it till at least next Monday because you can't interview coaches still in the playoffs this week. Does everybody get all that? Went off the air played, I don't even know what we've played, and in that time, Sean Payton is interviewing with the Cardinals and uh, Jay Crowder is typing out suggestive emojis about how much he wants out of here.
0: More on this
1: as the (laughs) show unfolds. (laughs) I hope so. Uh, Let's see. Text us your thoughts to the Vandal text line at 620 620 right now. I have some thoughts I might text. When we come back, can the Suns build off their win against the Grizzlies last night? We're going to ask their broadcaster, John Bloom, will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke here on a Monday morning in the Phoenix Suns. How different does this feel, Wolf, from a week ago? Now they've won three games in four nights and they starting to get healthy. Still no, no Booker yet, but Chris Paul comes back. He looks really good last night. So, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is John Bloom, one of the Phoenix Suns broadcasters. Bloomer, I would assume I know the answer to this, but how are you doing today?
4: Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Luke. Is that
1: <laughs> is that what you were going to assume? That's what I was assuming. <laughs>
4: um, I am. It's good to be with you guys and uh, good to talk about a a Suns team on a good streak. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I may have mentioned that it was not time to panic the last time we talked.
0: You yeah, did. You did I say that. Mention that right there. Um. Talk to me about any common denominators you're seeing in the Sun's last three victories. What are they, Johnny?
4: Oh, Wolf, well, uh, let's start with Mikel Bridges uh, because there's a guy that has done something he hasn't done yet in his career, uh, and that is five straight games of 20 or more points. Uh, You know, it's not something that necessarily the Suns have asked him to do before in his career, but now they needed it. And in the last three games, that helped uh, immensely to get wins. Uh, Previously in 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 the two before that, it didn't. But now he's got a little more help. He's got his twin, Cam Johnson, back. He's got Chris Paul last night doing Chris Paul things. And then Josh Okogie off the bench has just been absolutely dynamic. Uh, You know, you you break his nose. Uh, His teammate actually did that, but it doesn't matter how it happened. It happened. And he has to get back out there and play with a mask. And it just seemed like, uh, you know, it even took his his effort up a notch and his fearlessness up a notch, which is hard to say because that's one of his best traits and why he's been so effective as a basketball player, not just here in Phoenix, but while he's with the Minnesota Timberwolves his first few years. So he's getting a great opportunity. All these guys, guys that are getting these opportunities, Wolf. I think that's the other common denominator. They're all taking advantage of it. Jock Landale taking advantage of his time. Dario Sharich jumping all over his opportunity after having to sit for an entire year. It was great to talk to him again on the post-game show last night and just hear his energy level taking such a big jump along with his teammates right now.
1: Talking to John Bloom, uh, Bloomer, the performance from Chris Paul last night. You know, it, it, Anytime a guy comes back from injury, you're just like, okay, I want to see him make it through the game. I want to see him look confident, maybe contribute contribute uh, he did more than contribute 22 points 11 assists in 38 minutes and and he looked it was it was really it was the eye test more than the stats he looked like Chris Paul that we saw last year and the year before and, and I'm not saying that because he did that last night he's suddenly that guy again but how much would that do for this team like I think that's that's just as big if not bigger than any trade they can make at the deadline if they get back vintage Chris Paul
4: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, when you keep looking at the standings, and and after last night's win, you know, it's a totally different feel in the standings now. They're what? They're in seventh, and they're half game out of sixth, and they're two or three games out of third. And the team that's in third is Sacramento for crying out loud. So can we all just calm down for a second and understand that not only are you bringing DeAndre Ayton as soon as he gets through this illness that he has uh, back, but then you got Devin Booker returning from the groin injury. You still have Campaign and Landry Shamet that you need to get right and bring back. All this firepower is coming back to this team. Not to mention anything that they're going to do outside the roster, as they are still going to most likely, if not definitely, make a trade with Jay Crowder being involved in that so I am uh, still very confident that this team is is ready and poised to make a solid run in the second half of the season and I want to give credit to not just Chris Paul for the hard work that he's done off the floor missing those seven games but obviously he continued to work his butt off to stay in shape because he came out last night and looked as good as he has all season. So there's that. And then there's the staff behind the scenes that we don't normally talk about, Uh, the training staff, but also the strength and conditioning staff and all these people that are working in the place they like to call the lab, the Verizon 5G Performance Center over there uh, on Campbell back at 44th Street. All those people deserve credit for getting Chris Paul and keeping him ready to come out and be able to deliver the performance he did last night. And I bet you CP3 would say the same thing
0: you know Johnny. i know you're an optimist very much like i am um i am a positive person and i do not apologize for that and i know you are as well but chris paul also said after the game last night this is a work in progress where do you think that work will take them
4: yeah i do think it is a work in progress wolf uh and i think that You know, part of that progress is the roster like we just talked about, which healthy bodies are returning, what could happen to the roster with the trade. All that stuff is still in progress. But then it's also just that that this team needs to come together. And by that, I mean we still need to identify some roles here, meaning who is the first guard off the bench, who's the first big off the bench. Those things have varied so much this season. What are the rotations like for this group? And I know that they are trying to be as a adaptable as as possible that's a a word that monty williams has brought up uh, frequently through this season and given credit to his team for being adaptable well monty and his staff have had to adapt too and they've got to figure out who do we put on the floor just to start the game who do we want to finish the game how are we tweaking this throughout the game because we're dealing with with lineups we've never seen play together before so to me one of the biggest things over the next 35 36 games has to be solidifying those rotations, because when you get to the playoffs, you don't want to be uh, working on that stuff. You want that stuff to be pretty firm, right?
1: Talking to John Bloom, Uh, Bloomer, you kind of touched on this earlier with some of the guys that have had to step up with all these injuries, and you never like to see it in the moment, but you know, guys always talk about, okay, this is an opportunity for another guy to to maybe show what they can do or to get some reps. Uh, Of the players you've seen have to step up this season, does one or two of them stand out to you of, of guys that have maybe carved out a bigger role as we get towards the playoffs?
4: Yeah, I'm going to say two, uh, Luke, and and one's going to be recency-biased, and that's because I haven't talked about him yet, but he's the local product, Saban Lee. Uh, You know, he's only played six games, but he's been so impactful in these six games and certainly has contributed to the victories the last three, Uh, and it's a guy on a 10-day contract, which means, you know, basically uh, you're at the will of the coaches to give you a chance, and then once you get that chance, you better take full advantage because this is your opportunity to, to basically audition not just for the Suns, but the entire NBA, uh, and the G League for that matter, and any basketball team that's looking to add talent across the globe right now because there are other leagues that are competing and and offering good, uh, you know, livings as well. So, uh, for for that, I want to tip the cap to Saban Lee. I also think he's a heck of a guy just having some interaction with him briefly over the last week. So, very thrilled at what he's been able to do, and I wanted to give him credit. The other guy's Damian Lee. I mean, it has to be just based on who you talk to in the Suns locker room. They didn't expect to get the kind of contributions that they've gotten from D. Lee on the floor. Maybe they expected to be able to tap into his championship mentality and pedigree, having been with the Warriors several years, but he's playing like a splash brother. I mean, when he gets a chance, the way he's moving without the ball and then how fast he gets rid of that shot when he gets it in the corner, not to mention he's leading the NBA in three-point percentage. So, yes, all these things stand out, and Damian Lee deserves a lot of love for, for what he's done so far in a Phoenix Suns uniform.
0: Johnny, great stuff, man. Honestly, thank you so much as always for joining us, buddy.
4: You bet, Wolf. Anytime, good talking with you guys. Let's hope this run continues and uh I just want to tap into the football knowledge that I have on the phone right now. Are we liking the Niners or the Eagles
1: right now?
0: Oh, Look at that tease for the next segment oh, too, man, right there. I I'm you know, there's something about the forty ers to me right now that is special.
1: Bloomer, thanks a lot, man. Anytime Bloomer comes on and says he's doing fantastic I think we're all doing fantastic, because that means really the Suns is. are playing pretty well. Yes. Uh, okay, he kind of teed it up right there for us, the uh, the perpetual driver that he is. When we come back, what were our biggest takeaways from the playoffs in the NFC this weekend? We've got Eagles Niners now. What does that mean? It's next, it's Wolf and Luke at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. right, back to the NFL, and and Wolf said this earlier. To me, the most impressive team over the weekend was Cincinnati, but when you look forward to these two matchups we're going to have coming up, and maybe Philadelphia should have been the most impressive team. Um, When you look at the matchups we have coming up this weekend, the Eagles and 49ers, could you get two teams that are doing such different things on the field and doing them so well in a matchup. You know what I mean? Like, the Eagles are all about, hey, let's put up 35 points and win this game, and let's Jalen Hurts is dynamic, and A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith, and all these pieces. And you got the 49ers that are like, we'll just beat you 12-9. We're cool with that.
0: I I love this, though. This is... This is going to be an awesome NFC Championship game, in my opinion, because of the two conflicting styles. Of course, the San Francisco 49ers right now, um, they have the middle offense, as I like to refer to it as, the blending of the old and the new. They have that. The Eagles are a lot more shotgun than they are anything else. And that's fascinating to me right there. A clash of styles. The middle offense meets the new age offense. It's not that they never take Jalen Hurts and stick him under center. They do. But I would say the 49ers are overall a more physical team. And we'll see in the end if that wins it for them. Because I can tell you this right now. The team that ran the ball best again for the second week in a row the overwhelming favorite, to win the game,
1: and they did. You mean pretty much every game this weekend, right? was It was every game. Yeah, look, you've been saying... For a while now, there's going to be a game in the playoffs where Brock Purdy maybe he doesn't have to win you the game, but he's going to have to make some big plays to win you the game. And I'm not saying he didn't make any plays last night against Dallas, but that was a clinic in Kyle Shanahan being like, OK, we're going to take six yards from you here. Uh, you think we're going to run here on first time? We'll pass here. But then we're going to run. And they just killed the clock. And they just a seven point lead for the 49ers right now is like it feels like a 20 point lead. And they know it and they play that way. This, awesome. this might be that game, though, that you've been talking about where I don't know that you're going to hold Philadelphia to 14 points. You may need, and it's Philadelphia's going to have a hard time moving the ball against that 49ers defense, but you might need to beat Philly like 24-21, to 21, don't yes. you think? Yes,
0: no, this is going to be awesome to see that game. Not only the conflicting schemes that they use, the 49ers and the Eagles, but the fact that their strength The Eagles' strength is that offense. And now it's going to meet the strength of the 49ers. This is going to be big time. I cannot wait for that game. That is going to be my favorite game of the weekend coming up. There's only two, of course, but that one, that's going to be my favorite. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, The other one I think hinges a lot on whether or not Patrick Mahomes can play
1: because with all due respect to the Chiefs, I think the Bengals are going to win that game anyway. But if it's Chad Henney against Joe Burrow, I think everybody's going to feel pretty strongly that the second game is is going to be the better one. So now, this game that we're talking about, how about the games from this past weekend? Eagles-Giants, probably the most disappointing game of the playoffs. I know you and I both picked the Giants on Friday. At least for me, that was coming from a, you can't just pick chalk. You got to pick one of these upsets. Like I said earlier, I'm more mad I didn't pick the Bengals because I thought the Bengals were going to win. But uh, I absolutely thought the Giants were going to show up to the game. I mean, if I, I think the line was seven and a half on that game, if you had said, "Okay, you got to pick in terms of the actual like line," I would have said, "Yeah, they probably they keep this within a touchdown." They didn't even show up. And then, if you want more evidence of how quickly things can change in the NFL, here's Saquon Barkley after the game.
2: I don't know. I, 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 I have to you know, sit back and, and take on. I really haven't had time to take on that. I can't envision that being my last time in a Giants uniform, Uh, but like I said, all that stuff's out of my control. Um, That's a conversation that... That's why I have you you have an agent. I have an unbelievable agent. So sometimes we sit down with her, sit down with my family and see what's up. There's a whole lot of rules and stuff that can happen throughout this whole process. So uh, just go back, take a little time off, um, enjoy some time with my family
0: and see what happens. Man, I don't know what Brian Daybo was doing. Do you know what he was doing? I mean, all season,
1: I thought he was putting himself in coach of the year. candidate yeah, conversations. So I, I don't, I don't know, know on this weekend what he was, going was on. doing
0: coming into this game. Honestly, the ladies and gentlemen, the New York Giants had four possessions and Saquon Barkley had one carry for four yards. That's not going to get it done. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? I, I'm sorry. Um, on their fifth possession. They gave the ball to Saquon three times. He gained four, five, and two yards on those three carries. And the Giants had the best possession of the game for them. Eight plays, 28 yards. They actually had two first downs. And then Jones got sacked. Um, I, I honestly do not understand it. The one weakness the Philadelphia Eagles have, in my opinion is when you run right at him. And your biggest strength on offense is Saquon Barkley. your biggest strength, not side to side, right at him. This is why you've got to have the ability, once again, to do it all. I'm not saying that's the only way. But I am saying, man, against the Eagles, lower the plow, hit the gas. Let's run in a north-south fashion. Let's run this ball right at him. Hit him in the teeth. Let's see if they want to stand and fight. Let's see. And you came out. Saquon Barkley had one carry in the first four possessions of the game. Yeah, that's... Blown away by that. It's especially weird that the Giants did that because
1: the Giants have seen Philadelphia now three times this season. Remember we talked to Anquan Bolden last week and he's like, any of those games where you're meeting for the third time in the playoffs, you can almost throw everything out the window in those games, right? Because all bets are off. The Giants, you're right, came out and attacked that game like, oh, we're just going to win a shootout with the Eagles. No, you're not. If you're the Giants, you're probably not going to win a shootout with many teams that are still playing football, but you're definitely not going to win one with the Eagles. The team that can run right at them is San Francisco, though.
0: I think they were trying to actually get Daniel Jones comfortable. I I think they were trying to say, hey, listen, you know what? Nobody expects us to come out and throw the ball. Nobody expects us to do that. So you know what? That's what we're going to do. There's a reason nobody expected
1: you to come out and throw the ball like that.
0: <laughs> we're just going to go out there, Danny, it's all on you. Dad, no. I just let you know right now, yeah, I know we got down early, but it's all on you. I Man, I, I just, in retrospect, I wonder if Brian Dable would agree.
1: Uh, he still did a great job coaching this year. The Giants were still one of the better no, stories Tom. in the NFL, no, but, no. Uh, but that, that was not a great look for them on Saturday. Now, on Sunday, the late game, the San Francisco-Dallas game, Very similar to last year in that the Cowboys just couldn't get anything going on that last drive. They lose to the 49ers. But I don't know about you, Wolf. I found myself wondering this as we were watching the game. If the Cowboys were able to score, and that would have made it, what, 1918, would you have gone for two instead of taking your chances in overtime? Mike McCarthy said, yeah.
0: In reality, I would have, you know... You know, we, when we got the ball back, you know, the, obviously the next to the last series, you know, the, the plan was to go down and score and go for two to, for the win. So, I mean, that's that was the thought process, but that that had more to do with, you know, I just felt like our defense was on the field a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I thought we, we picked it up in certain areas in the second half, uh, but like I said, we just came up short. Yeah, you know what, going into this game, they did come up short, but the drama zone was pinging going into this game. It was, I don't know if you picked up on this. It felt like Dak Prescott versus Brock Purdy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dak Prescott, who's fighting his own playoff
1: issues. Boy, he might be second on that list behind Kirk Cousins now. <laughs> like, I always kind of give Dak a little bit of a pass. He was not good last and, night.
0: And now all of a sudden, Brock Purdy. That's, that is amazing that Brock Purdy was able to go out there and throw the ball. To the degree in which he did. 19 of 29 for 214 yards. Uh, I think it's very interesting that the 49ers are winning games not in spite of Brock Purdy. The 49ers are winning games often because of Brock Purdy. And the fact that, again, he did not throw a pick in this game is the ball critical over. yeah it's critical to to the 49ers actually being able to win these games not turning it over not having their young quarterback Mr irrelevant throw a pick the guy is doing an incredible job protecting the ball and because of that the 49ers are playing with confidence right now and they believe they can win the whole thing and why wouldn't you
1: so what is he he's since he took over against Miami He has thrown 16 touchdowns and three interceptions, counting the playoffs. And since that Miami game, he's now 8-0. We've, we've talked about this last week, obviously. We're not the only ones making the connection here. Uh, if the Niners win the Super Bowl, he will have won a Super Bowl as a starter before he ever loses a game as a starter. Now, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't the Seattle game where he torched the Seahawks for 332 yards, three passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. His numbers against Dallas were just, eh, whatever. His quarterback rating was 53. But if you watch that game, when he had to make plays, he made them. And it helps to have George Kittle, right? I mean, George Kittle, who didn't do a whole lot at the start of the season, now looks like San Francisco is just kind of saving him until they needed him because he has been huge in the second half of the season. He's been huge for Brock Purdy, and he was huge again in the game last night.
0: Yes, and what also was huge is the ability to run the ball, the commitment to running the ball. That's what they did 32 times. The 49ers ran the ball 32 times. That's more than they threw the ball, of course. 32 times for 113 yards. Not a great yards per carry. But they did it to win
1: the game. 32 times? Is that what you said? 32. That's more than the Chargers ran the ball all year. (laughs) Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.